All right, thanks, Pastor. Thanks for the opportunity. He stole my line. I was going to talk about the heat in here, too. That's one of the most uh, touchy subjects, is the temperature in the auditorium. Some of you are like, yes, Pastor, it was scalding. Some of you are like, I had to put on three sweaters. I was freezing. But I don't know if you noticed, I'm going to look like this in a few minutes. Pastor already looks like it. He looks like he got baptized also. Uh, (laughs) And I'm going to look like that in just a few moments. No, I'm glad that you stayed and looking forward to getting to God's word this afternoon. Take your Bibles. Go to Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. My goal this afternoon in just a few short minutes is to find some encouragement from this psalm. Uh, We'll look at all 11 verses together this afternoon. Psalm 46, let's read this psalm together, and then we'll pray as we begin. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to seize, and unto the end of the earth he Breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder, he burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for the chance to open your word this afternoon. And God, I pray that you would be with us now, that you would minister comfort and strength uh, from the words of this psalm. We thank you that you've included it in Scripture for our benefit, for our learning, and so I pray that you would now help us to understand it, give us ears to hear and minds to understand, but allow us to apply it to our hearts as well, we pray. I pray that you'd strengthen me and guide me as I I preach this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. Church is often a place of uh, celebration and and joy and rejoicing, Uh, and that's a good thing. You know, we can come together with hopefully people that we love, or at least people that we like, right? Uh, friends and, and sometimes actual blood family, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. We can come and we can, we can rejoice, maybe thankful for what God's done, thankful for our hope in the Savior, maybe share blessings and just look forward to worshiping God together, lifting up his name, singing songs of celebration and praise. That's a good thing. But you know, sometimes, and perhaps most times, I would maybe even say at all times, there are people, members, visitors who come through the doors of our church uh, who don't come through celebrating. They don't come rejoicing. Maybe they come broken. Maybe they come discouraged. Maybe they come in despair. You may know it. You may not know it, depending on the look they carry on their face. But I want to say this to you, that if you're here broken and in despair, or if you're here rejoicing, Both are a good thing. Both are a good thing. Scripture says that we should rejoice with them that rejoice, and we should weep with those that weep. And so no matter which one you fall into, which category you find yourself in this afternoon, that you came to the right place. This is a good thing. And this is something I find so beautiful about the Psalms, is we get an insight uh, to the psalmist's perspective and his heart for the Lord. 
And many of the psalms are psalms of praise and rejoicing on his best days. And many of the psalms are an inside look to his heart and his perspective on his worst days. It's his confessions when life is full of joy and peace. And it's his heart's prayer when it feels like his world is falling apart. Today, Psalm 46 is a, it is a prayer of, or a psalm of victory. God has given his chosen people victory over the Assyrian enemies. However, it's also a psalm that's very much aware of the fact that there's a battle raging, that there is an enemy, and that life is not always, or doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. So we're going to look at this psalm together. The psalm is broken up into three sections, and they're kind of uh, broken up by the word there, silah, right? And so that's a, a break, a pause, as we read the scripture, and most likely it was included for a uh, musical instrument, sort of an interlude or some sort of musical term as a psalm was written. It says to pause a minute and reflect on what has been sung or what has been read. And so we're going to break it up as it's written in scripture into the three kind of, you could say, verses of the song or the psalm. And from each of those, we're going to try to learn just a simple truth this afternoon that can hopefully be a comfort and an encouragement to us. And so let's look at the first one. Let's look at verse number one again of Psalm 46. The Bible says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. In verse two and verse three, the psalmist uh, shares some pretty crazy descriptive words about what's going on in the world around him. And we're gonna see it, and it's scary, and it's, it's crazy. But I love how he starts the psalm. He doesn't start off with despair, he doesn't start off with destruction. He starts off with a strong courage and confidence in the Lord. He says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I love the word refuge. It means a shelter or a covering. You ever been, uh, maybe you're you know, walking from the grocery store back to the car, or maybe you're out for a walk or a jog or outside. You ever been caught in a storm? You know that feeling of panic when the rain starts to come? You're like, oh, I think I felt a drop. Oh, there's another one. You start to run just so you can get to covering, get to safety. Maybe you've even been in a lightning storm. When Aloma and I were on our honeymoon, we went one day to uh, Epcot at uh, Disney World in Florida. And uh, it happened to be July 4th, um, Independence Day in, in the United States. And so they were going to put on quite the fireworks show, is what we heard. And uh, I think it was Ruthie maybe told us the best place to watch the fireworks was off the dock of the Grand Floridian Hotel. I might be wrong, but I think you might have given us that advice, Ruthie. And so we made our way to the Grand Floridian Hotel. We went out to the dock, and as you know, the sun started to set, we waited for the fireworks. Well, it was a hot, muggy July day. It was nasty. That Florida humidity, like we were sticky. We'd been there all day. And sure enough, as the sun started to set, you know, that humidity kind of, the sky kind of broke open and it started to rain. And there was thunder in the distance. And then these huge bolts of lightning came through the sky. And so they said, you know what, we've got to wait. There has to be 20 minutes without lightning before we start the fireworks. And sure enough, it seemed like every 18 minutes there's a lightning, right? So it's just it's like over and over. And so we were waiting there. And we were like, we got to find somewhere to wait it out. We didn't come all this way to not see the show. And so we found refuge. We found shelter. We found covering uh, under a tree. It was not a very good refuge, right? <laughs> but we're like, oh, lightning storm. Let's stand under something tall <laughs> and wooden. Uh, so don't advise it, okay? But that's what we did. We did our best to stay dry. And eventually we did see the fireworks. Uh, but, you know, I'm thankful that though the tree was probably not the best choice for refuge, that our God 
is the best choice for refuge. That in the storms of life and the difficulties of life, our God is our strength and our God is our covering. He is our refuge and we can run to him. I want you to look now at verses 2 and 3. Notice these statements. Notice the, the, the weight that they carry. It says, therefore, will not we fear? But, but look at this. Although the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. This is not just like a, this is when we have a bad day, we'll trust the Lord. It's like the mountains are carried in the middle of the sea. The psalmist, is, he's describing some sort of natural disaster where the, mount, the ground is being removed, shaking and moving, and the mountains are shaking and trembling, and they're cast in the sea. I mean, I think there's, there is a literal interpretation that God is our refuge in the midst of a natural disaster, yes. But again, this is a psalm. And in music and in poetry, there's, there's images and there's pictures. And so we here where we live, we don't face a lot of natural disasters. But maybe you'll relate more with this maybe more of a metaphorical interpretation of what the psalmist is saying here. Have you ever had a day where it felt like your world was falling apart? Where it felt like the ground underneath you had just been ripped below and everything you were standing on was no longer solid? Where it felt like the world was shaking when it seemed like everything was turned upside down and on its head? I mean, it didn't take much, right? Just one phone call from the hospital, one phone call from work, one text from a loved one, coming home to the wrong thing. I mean, it doesn't take much. And no doubt we've all been there. We just feel like our world has been turned around. Our life has been shaken. And it seems like everything we thought we could trust in, we can't trust in. And the world is shaken. The mountains are cast in the middle of the sea. And in the midst of the storm, no matter what you're going through today, we see God is our refuge and strength. We can run to him. He's a very present help in trouble. God is not just the God of your best days. He's not just the God of your blessings and your joy, rejoicings. He's the God in your crisis. He's the God in your storm, and you can run to him. And I love what verse 2 says. It says, therefore, will not we fear. No matter what goes on, this is easier said than done, but no matter what goes on in the world around us, we don't need to fear. We do not to be afraid because God is our refuge. He is our strength. I love that picture. He's our strength. He's supporting us. He's, he's undergirding us with strength and with might, and he's covering us as our refuge. And so here we see the first one. We see that God is our refuge. We can run to him in the middle of the storm. But I want you to see, secondly, let's look at verse number four together. The Bible says, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raged and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. Excuse me, earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Secondly, I want you to notice with me this afternoon that God is powerful and present. We can trust in him. We already saw that in verse number one, that God is a very present help in trouble. And we begin to see this uh, truth continued on through the next three verses. Uh, In verse four, he says, there is a river. And he's speaking of the city of God. It's a reference to, uh, best I understand, to Jerusalem. Now, if you've ever been, I know some people in our church have been to the Holy Land and been to Jerusalem, and maybe you're aware of this, but there is no river that runs through the middle of Jerusalem. 
There's a couple of streams that feed the city, but there is no river. So once again, he's not referring to a, a real physical river that currently exists in Jerusalem, but he's, he's metaphorically speaking of something else. And in Scripture, we see that rivers often signify life and, and refreshment. And here I believe that the river is signifying the presence of God. The river is the presence of God. It's that same idea that God is a present help in trouble. Uh, sorry, a present, very present help in trouble. Look at verse 4. He says, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. This is a river that starts from the holy place where God's presence is in the tabernacle, and it runs through the middle of the city. It's signifying this, that in the middle of Jerusalem, God's presence is there. And so no matter what's going on in the city, no matter what enemies are waging war on the city, God is with them. He's in the midst of them. And you know, it's very similar to what we read in Revelation chapter 22 when we think about the new Jerusalem. Scripture says this, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne room of God and of the Lamb in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the land. You gotta think about this. In the Bible, in a climate like Jerusalem, where it's hot and it's and it's dusty, a flowing water source would be a valuable resource. It would be a very valuable resource, a source of peace, a source of life, a source of refreshment. Think about Psalm chapter 1. The Bible says this, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so for the city of God and for the people of God, there is a river. And it makes the hearts glad of the people of God because it signifies that God's presence is with us and that his power is with us. And no matter what we go through, God is there in the midst of us. Look at verse 5. It says, God is in the midst of her, and she, the city, shall not be moved. God shall help her. God is powerful and able to help and able to save, and he's with us. His presence goes with us. Look at verse number 7 with me. This is, in the psalm, this is actually the chorus, and it's repeated again in verse 11, word for word. So look at it with me. The Bible says this, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Silah. The Lord of hosts is the term Yahweh Saboath. The Lord of hosts. What it, what it really means is the God of the armies. The God of the angel armies is on our side. There's a song that says that we will not fear because the God of angel armies is on our side. And what a truth to see when the world is waging war on us that we as the people of God have the God of armies with us. He is always with us. His presence never leaves us. We would do well to just awake ourselves to the presence of God in our lives. Our God is not a distant God. He's not a God who's far away. He's not a God who created the world and then stepped back and just kind of watched things go. He's not a God who saves his children and then leaves us to our own. He's a God who is with us. His spirit indwells us. His presence goes with us. He's in the midst of us. And in the, in the most difficult of trials, we can be glad because our God is with us. If you've been a part of our church for some time, you've maybe been on one or heard of uh, our HELP program. 
We haven't done it in a few years, but we have a HELP program. It stands for H-E-L-P, HELP. Help Evangelize Lost People. And what it was, is, or what it is, it's just a program where we would take a group of people from our church and some other churches in the area too, and for a week in the summer, we'd go help out a local church. And uh, we would help them with a vacation Bible school. And basically, we would just do anything we could to help them reach their community. We've done like uh, different Love Works programs like car washes and handed out things to seniors and we've gone and knocked on doors and we've done vacation Bible schools and community barbecues, just anything we, d- we can do to help out this church for a week. And my very first help program, I think I was 13 years old, it was in Cambridge and I was pretty new to the program and we used to do uh, Bible clubs in the mornings at different parks and, and public schools throughout the city. And so my group had a a van that we would travel around in, and my job was to carry supplies to the van and then carry the supplies to our Bible club. And I remember one of the things that I loaded up, some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about when you see it, when you picture it. It's a a white wooden A-frame sign. Some of you know already where I'm going with this. It's a white wooden A-frame sign. It had white kind of corrugated cardboard on it or plastic on it, and it said this. It said in big red letters, it said, help is here. And we would take that sign and we'd put it on the sidewalk in the road if we were in the schoolyard or in the playground or in the park and we'd let the whole neighborhood know, hey, we're here and we're here to help. We're here to evangelize lost people. We're having a program here. We're having a, a, a Bible club here and we'd love you to come. Help is here. When I read these verses, I see God shall help her. I see the Lord of hosts is with us. I see it like God taking his little A-frame sign and saying, hey, child of God, I know you're going through it. I know it feels like the world is breaking down around you, but I want you to know that help is here. I'm God, I'm here, and I'm helping. He's powerful, and he's present, and we can take courage and, and be encouraged by that. And so let's look at verse number eight, and we'll see our last truth this afternoon from Psalm 46. The Bible says this, Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts, here's that chorus again, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Verse 10 is a very familiar and common verse. I could tell when reading it that some of you were uh, reciting it from memory. You know it. It's familiar. Be still and know that I am God. But perhaps you've never, and this was the case for me, perhaps you've never really understood the context behind that verse. Maybe you think of that verse as I often did, that, you know, when you go for a walk in the woods and enjoy God in nature, we're just being still and knowing that he's God. When you're spending time in your prayer closet and meditating with him, we're being still and knowing that he is God. But it's a bit of a different context when we read it. It starts in verse 8. It says, come. It's an invitation. Come behold the works of the Lord. It's an invitation to look at God's hand through human history. Look at God's hand through the children of Israel and see the victories that he's given them, the wars that they've won, and see how God is in control. And so our third point is just God is in control. Be still and know him. 
We see that God had been helping the children of Israel every step of the way, giving them victory in the battles. He had been guiding them. He'd been with them. And he says, hey, look back. Come and see. Come behold the works of the Lord. Look at the desolations he's made in the earth. He says, look at how God has been in control every step of the way, every battle you faced, every storm you've gone through. God is in control. Look at verse 9. It's almost like he's telling them, hey, look out on the battlefield. Look at the victory I just gave you. Look at the battlefield. Look at the, the weapons of your enemy that are just laying there in the field, the bows that are broken and the spears that have been cut and sunder and the chariots that are burnt up in fire. He's God. He's in control. And in the light of that, in the light of these kind of victories in military terms, he says, be still and know that I am God. And so what's really interesting about this is I think that verse 10 is speaking to two different groups of people. It's speaking to God's children, but it's also speaking to their enemies. He says to their enemies, hey, be still. Stop fighting. Stop trying to conquer. Stop trying to wage war. Stop trying to work your will. Be still and know that I am God. Hey, child of God, stop worrying. Stop fretting. Stop stressing. Stop taking things into your own hands. Be still and know that I am God. You know what the word be still means? Literally, relax. (laughs) I love that. Stop. Relax. And know that he is God. And so, child of God, today I tell you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what war you're fighting, no matter what you're trying to work out for yourself, no matter what stresses you're trying to handle in your own strength, he says, hey, just relax and know that I am God. And he says the same thing to our enemies. We say, we don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm going through. I gotta figure this out. He is in control. Just be still and know that he is God. He says, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. No matter the crisis, no matter the storm, no matter the battle, God will get the glory. Jesus Christ will be exalted in the end. He's working everything in your life, every storm, every crisis, every difficulty out for your good and for his glory. He will be exalted. Philippians 2 tells us, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things of earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So stop fighting against God's plan. Stop striving in your own strength. Stop worrying and fretting about how this is all going to play out. He says, hey, I'm your refuge. I'm your strength. I'm present. I'm powerful. And I'm I'm in control. So be still and know that I am God. There's a story about the famous reformer and theologian named Martin Luther. And the story goes is that he was going through a very difficult season in life. He was uh, struggling with discouragement, I think even from his own words, depression. And his wife, Kate, was trying to encourage him and help him and, and kind of console him. And so it seemed like no matter what she said or no matter what she did, it just, it just didn't seem to work. She tried to help him and encouragement, and he was just, I mean, he was just going through a bad, bad time. He was in a bad way. So the story goes that one day he came, maybe down the stairs, maybe to have breakfast or something, I don't know. And he sees his wife, Kate, sitting there, dressed in all black, in mourning. And he's like, are you going to a funeral? And she said, no, but since you act like God is dead, I wanted to join you in your mourning. 
whoa. And I think some of us, we would never say it. We know we, let, we serve a risen Savior, and we do. But in our lives, we try to take the things that God has control of, and we try to take control of ourselves. And we take the things that God has promised victory in, and we try to have victory ourselves. And we take the things that God is going to take care of, and we try to worry about them ourselves. And we, we live a life, though we would never say it, we live a life as if God is dead, as if he's not in control, as if he's not powerful, as if he's not sovereign over all. And that's the lesson that Kate was trying to teach to her husband, Martin. He says, since you live like God is dead, I figured I'd join you in your mourning. I wonder, are you living a life of a Christian who believes that God is active and alive and present and working in your situation, in your good days, and in your bad? The cool thing is this. Martin Luther, he figured it out. Not that we were worried about him, but he figured it out, right? He said, how do you know that? Well, he wrote a song, and the song is called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And it's in our hymn book, and it's from this psalm it's it's from psalm 46 it says a mighty fortress is our god a bulwark never failing he figured out that god is our refuge and our strength a very present help in trouble and i could i won't take the time this afternoon but i want to encourage you just go home and and if you have a hymn book look it up just google google the words to a mighty fortress in our god Read it alongside with Psalm 46 and see how Martin and Luther understood the truth that God is our refuge and our strength. He's our protector. He's our provider. And he is in control. No matter what the world does, no matter what our enemies do, God is sovereign. He's in control. And so we just step back and say, I'll be still and know that he is God. And so, friend, I encourage you today, if you came in here having your best day, if you came in here having your worst day, Just be still and know that he's God. Remember these simple truths. Remember that God is in control. Remember that God is powerful and present. And remember that God is our refuge and we can run to him. And I hope we'll find encouragement from that this afternoon. Let's pray together. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you that even on the days when it feels like our world is falling apart, that we can rely on you. Thank you that you are our strength and our refuge. I pray that we would not live lives that give a testimony that we don't believe that you're alive and active and working in our lives. Lord, thank you that you care for us. Thank you for your, your constant presence in our lives. And I pray that as we leave this place, we would just be resigned to say, you are God and we are not. Would you help us to trust you? And Lord, we'll thank you for how you'll use your word in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.